Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. I'm going to be in Matthew, all right? Matthew chapter 28. We're going to look at three verses that are going to be familiar to us. If you've been uh, in Christendom or been a, a Christ follower for a long time, you're going to have heard a message from these three verses. Um, we're going to be talking about, as we're looking at our vision statement for here at Mount Salem, uh, a Christ-like life inspiring many to believe. We've looked at what Christ-likeness is. That's that's our discipleship process of, of becoming more um, in line or more like Christ as a follower. And we've looked at life and how we do life together. That's fellowship. We talked last week about inspiring, inspiring others to believe. That's our worship and how important worship is. Today we're talking about the many. The many is the missional aspect of what we're uh, focusing on as a church. So as we look to... Um, reach the world, how do we do that? We don't do that through the few, we do that through the many. I want you to understand something before I get started in the message today. We talk about addition all the time in the church. We want to add members, we want to add people to the congregation, we want to add people to our Sunday school roles, we want to add, 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 add. Not a bad thing for us to think about that. We really don't want to talk about dividing and subtracting though, do we? Alright? So adding is a positive thing. But in Scripture, God talks about multiplying. You need to understand we focus on the wrong thing. We think about adding. God thinks about multiplying. If we get away from the thinking that we're just going to bring one or two here or there in, then we will become a church that multiplies out. And when you multiply out, it's more than just one thing. So we're not really focused on so many, how many people walk the aisle here in this church, but how can we multiply out everything that we do? How can we multiply out the dollars that are given here so that we can impact not only Flowery Branch, but the world? How do we multiply out the, the aspect of who you are and your talents and gifts so that it just doesn't affect here in the congregation, but we use it and we mobilize that so that we can go out and use that in ministry throughout the world? That's what this is. We've got to get beyond the addition and start thinking about the multiplication of that. When we get into the fact that God takes what we have and what we can offer and he multiplies that out, then the vastness of what we give and how we do in time, talent, treasures, passions, all those kind of things, that multiplies out. It reverberates out in kingdom. It reverberates out in Christendom, uh, even beyond our lives. And so when we think this way, we, we move to a different realm. So this morning, when we look at this passage, I want you to hear the words and the thoughts of what Christ says to us and then see how we fit into that, okay? And see how it moves from addition to multiplication, okay? So the scripture in Matthew 28, 18 says this, And Jesus came up and he spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Then we need to understand our identification, the source of everything that we are, is Christ. It's not us. Okay, when we move beyond us and we allow Christ to and, and view things that happen within our lives through the lens of Christ, it takes it to a different level. Does everybody here know their flaws and their weaknesses? All right, come on, raise your hand, get, participate with me this morning. We know our flaws and our weaknesses, don't we? We know the things that we don't do well, and that we, we see our limitations. We know where things pile on to us, and we just can't, we can't handle anymore. We've reached our max, all these things. Do you think God doesn't know that as well? He does know that. 
So he knows every intimate detail about every single one of us. So when we look at our lives, we identify ourselves with ourselves. And when we identify ourselves with ourselves, we start thinking in terms of who we are. Well, that's just, that's great, Brother Tim wants to take that on and do that. Or we think that our church can be this impactful or do these kind of things. But uh, do you realize what's sitting out here in this congregation? Do you realize how much our budget is? Do you realize how small our facilities are? Do you realize, and see, then we start limiting our focus and limiting what God can do. All authority has been given under heaven and earth to Christ Jesus. If our identification is in Him, then all that other stuff falls away. We don't limit ourselves by just our impact. We're talking about vision here. We're talking about a statement that helps us to see far beyond what we are able to do. We want to affect the many, not the few. We want our lives to impact multiple people, not just one or two. We want our lives to mean something, not only for this life, but to reverberate throughout all of Christendom and all of history. We can be that impactful. We can be that type of person if we see it through the lens of Christ and don't see it through the lens of our limited vision. And if we see it in and of ourselves, then we are, we're bound by this. You know, Christ made a statement to Peter. Peter said, he, he asked Peter a question. He said, who do you say that I am? Or who does the world say that I am? And they gave him all these answers. And he said, who do you say I am? I said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says, back to Peter, he says, that's amazing because God gave that to you. He let you see it that way. That just doesn't come from you. And then he goes on and he makes a statement. He says this to Peter. He says, what you bind here on this earth will be bound in heaven. And what you let loose here on this earth will be loose in heaven. And I want you to know this. When we look through the vision of ourselves and, and look at ourselves that way, then we are bound up by that. But when we see through the eyes of Christ what God can do, then that lets loose. And we let go of all the inhibitions about our limitations. So our identity is found in Christ. He is the source. We must start there. Before we even get into this statement, which we know is the Great Commission, where we go out, we have to see it through the lens of what we know it to be and not what we think it to be. Scripture tells us over and over, we can't do anything. It's the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life that enables us. It's the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that multiplies out through us. And if we live through the limited vision of our eyes, we're going to be bound. We're going to be bound. Luke 24, verses 46 through 47 says this, And he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance or forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. So this statement that we're reading, you know what? It's found in all four Gospels and is found in the book of Acts. This proclamation that is happening right here, this commission that we're about to give, is given in all four Gospels and the book of Acts. So you've got to understand, this is the most important thing that the church can do, is be on mission for God. So if we are on mission for God, 
and that we and we're allowing Christ Jesus to to show us the lens of who we are as his people and not looking at it through ours, then it is limitless. It is limitless. So we can see all nations. Why in the world, how in the world can we impact all nations? Well, we do that through the International Mission Board. We do that through the North American Mission Board, through our convention, through giving there. We do that through supporting individual missionaries or mission missional activities like what we're doing for Katie next summer. Do you realize that we have basically through this church paid for her entire trip? They they do you realize that they called off the dogs on us? We had all kinds of events for her still planned. The money for a yard sale that we were going to have was going to go to her. Now we're having to find somewhere else to put that money because you know what? Why? We, she's raised all the funds that she needed. This was thousands of dollars to take a trip. And the people in this place did it on top of giving. Our giving didn't suffer. You did it out of the love for her and the love for what God was calling her to do. To go and walk where Christ walked. To be filled with that. To see that. To have that impact her life. So that she can come back as a young person and go out. How is that going to reverberate through Christendom? How is that going to reverberate throughout all eternity? We have no idea the impact of that. And you like Katie. So you gave money so that you could send her on this trip. But you don't know the, the impact of the gift that you gave. See, that's the way we've got to see this. We can't see it as, man, I'm just giving $50 so she can go over there and do something in her life. Well, that'd be great. Well, somebody send me there one day can't look at it that way at all. That's not our thought process. Our thought process is we gave this to the glory of God. And God's going to do amazing things in her life and through her life because of that. And when we see that that way, it opens up. Isn't that a whole different box? Isn't that a whole different vision for us to be able to see? All right. The next passage is, is uh, verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Okay, I, you know, I don't want to get too over on this, but there's four verbs here, okay? All right? And so the verbs are the action things, right? That's what verbs do. Verbs give actions to our sentences. So the verbs are make, go, baptize and teach okay but there's one of those verbs that is an imperative the imperative means that is the essential so the essential for us is to make disciples our job in sending out whatever we do is to make disciples our job in multiplying out whatever we do is to make disciples that is first and foremost. What is Scripture telling us to do? Our Scripture is telling us to what? Once we become a follower of Jesus, we just go to our homes and shut our doors and we don't ever talk to anybody else about Him and we don't ever share that. We don't even teach our kids. We just you know, allow our household to go to hell in a handbasket. We just, you know, we're good. We're going to heaven. So everything's good for us, right? No. Our scripture tells us and implores us to what? To take that message to the world. To take that message out to others. So that one, one, it can infect us. 
because God uses all of the situations and circumstances in our lives and the people to impact us, but so that the message that we take goes out and makes disciples. So we've talked about the source. The source of this is Christ Jesus. The make disciples is the servant. That's us. God is making us into a fully devoted follower of him. But at the same time that he is making us into a disciple, he is making disciples through us. Ooh. Do you see that? The depth of that? The layers of that that's in your life? He is making you a disciple at the same time that he is making disciples through you. There is the multiplication of this. If we look and see this beyond ourselves, we see the impactfulness of every servant that follows Christ. Everyone who is a believer has the opportunity to go out into the world and to make a difference for, for the kingdom. Acts 1.8, I know I've left this off on your outline, I'm sorry. Sometimes I do make mistakes. Do y'all know that? Just every once in a while I'll make one of those, but you need to write that down. Write that down today that I made a mistake because it's probably not going to happen again for a long time. <laughs> Why are y'all laughing? <laughs> but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Same thing that we just saw up here in Luke chapter 24, but look what it says here. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. There's a picture here that you grasp of how it reverberates out. I mentioned this morning in a Sunday school class, when you drop a rock in Lake Lanier, if the water is calm, the rock goes in and sinks down, but what happens to the wave that comes out after that? Do you ever notice that? It just kind of reverberates out. It's not just one little wave. There's a bunch of little waves, and they go further and further and further and further out from the center. That's the picture here. Jerusalem was the city. Judea was the county. All right, kind of like that area. All right, then you've got Samaria. Samaria was the badlands. It was the other side of the tracks. It was a place that people wouldn't want to go. So not only did you affect your city, not only did you affect your county, you went into areas and places that you normally wouldn't go yourself, even though they weren't the same as you. You would go into those places. And then it says what? To the remotest parts of the earth, all over the place to take the gospel. Why is that important? That's important because the scripture tells us that is our that is our admonition. That's our job. Our job doesn't stop at the city limits of Flowery Branch. Our job doesn't stop with Oak, with Hall County. Our job doesn't stop and who's the enemy of Hall County? Who's the bad person? We don't want What county would we not want? Barrow? We wouldn't want nobody wants to live in Barrow County. Barrow, calling out Barrow or something, right? So it'd be like going to Barrow County and doing missional work. <laughs> and then what? Going into cities and the areas and the, uh, the uttermost remote parts of the earth to do God's work. This is what he has called us to. This is how this moves beyond ourselves. This is how we break down the bounds of the limits that we place on our lives. This is how we see what God would have us to see and not what we can visually see with ourselves. He says, don't look with your own eyes, what? To walk by what? The, our own sight or by what? The, the Spirit. He says for us to walk by the Spirit, walk by faith. 
And when we do that, we journey out into places. And we do things. We allow God to move in our lives in such a way that we can see that, not only here, but then we don't know more people. And they say that right now a lot of people have taken their lives. I would say that, you know, they haven't, I don't think it's been long enough for them to be able to see how the, the long-term effects of what the suicide rate is right now. Why are, why are so many people and so many young people taking their lives? They're losing hope. These three things remain. Faith, if you have no faith. Hope, if you have no hope. If you have no faith and you have no hope, you have no love. What is the one that remains? Love remains. So nothing is passed down. We've lost the love because we've lost our faith. And because we've lost our faith, we lose the sight of what hope is. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of the things which we see every day. No, the conviction of the things which we cannot see. That's the invariable definition of faith is for us to be able to have hope and the assurance of that, that what God says is truth and that he promises that to us. And then conviction beyond what we can see. This is our calling. This is how we are different. This is why we have to take this message to the world because without it, the world has no faith. The world has no hope. And through a Supreme Court deal, we can see there is no love. No love. We, got, we can't look to the world to try to bring that and steal that back into us. We've got to take it to them. Because they don't have it. It's devoid of it. That's our missional job. That's why we must make disciples. If you go and you look in 2 Timothy, Paul says this. Paul says this to Timothy. He says, to take the word which I've instilled in you. So you've got Paul telling Timothy. And he says that you must teach that to others who can teach others themselves. So you're taking the investment that has come from somebody else in your life. Paul was investing in Timothy. Now, Timothy's job was to go find somebody else to invest his life in. But not only was he to find somebody to invest his life in, he had to find somebody who was willing to invest in somebody else. So that's what this is. That's four generations of discipleship that are taking place right there, right now. Why do churches have trouble being multi-generational. Churches have, multi, have trouble being multi-generational because we've lost this. We're not investing our lives in other people. We're allowing it to stop with us. Deacons should be raising up young men. That's what scripture says in Titus, right? Young, uh, older women should be finding younger women. Older men should be finding younger men. They should be investing their lives in, in them so that they can share with them and teach them that which is right. That's what Scripture says. Who are we investing in? See, the whole process is stopped and broken. We're not looking to multiply out anymore because we're waiting for someone to walk through the door so we can add them to the kingdom of heaven. 
if we were discipling properly, if we were doing evangelism properly, if we were doing missions properly, this would multiply itself out. It's organic. That's the way God made it for us. It's a relationship with Him and a relationship with each other. We like to program it. We want to teach you a way to share your faith. I want to teach you the way to unlock the Holy Spirit in your life so it overflows out. That's what Paul talked about. Paul talked about living in the overflow of your life. He didn't talk about five steps to becoming a follower of Jesus. He talked about living Christ in such a way before men that they were blameless to God and that you're blameless to others. It just oozes out of us. That's the way it happens. It happens through life connections. It happens through a lifestyle. What we're talking about here missionally is a lifestyle. It's not a moment. Missions do happen in moments. We can go and do go places where we work for a week, and we work for a few days, or we work for a few months, and then we come back. But the effect of that goes on. Um, We've been, I've been, smart and have an um, but I, I, I went to Peru on multiple occasions um, to go and to do work there. I've gone to Brazil to do work. I've gone, mu- spent a summer in Europe doing work, missions. So there's been moments in my life where I have gone abroad to do missional work. But I will tell you this, we kept contact with all of those missionaries and we we helped them physically and financially with needs that they had over years and years and years. In fact, I've been to Johannesburg, South Africa and done missions. And we were connected with a church there. I've, show, I've shared that with you guys. And when I had to call and tell him that our church was merging with another church and we were no longer going to be able to support him missionally, it was devastating to him. You know how much we sent him? We sent him $400 a month. $400 a month. And I'm sitting here thinking, $400 a month is not going to change somebody's life. But $400 a month changed his life. See, we don't see because we look through the lens of our eyes. We don't think how much or how little we are doing affects somebody so much. So much. But that's the impact of this. That's what God does. Now look, you may, I want to tell you one little last story about that for me. This guy discipled pastors in South Africa. So he was one pastor that I was helping by supporting them with four or $500 a month over, over a few years. But he was, had, had a school down there that through sessions had already taken through 50 pastors to teach them how to be pastors. Are you getting this? I was given $500 a month to support a family that was what? helping impact 50 other lives. And then through those pastors that he was teaching, how impactful was that? That's the, that's the rock going in the water and the waves going out. That's the importance of every little bit and every ounce of what we do. That is why we make disciples. That is the imperative of this. Now, the other verbs that are given... 
go baptize and teach go that's the step that's the step of faith that we have to have to step out and to do something that we have not done before baptize that's the sign that's the picture the outward evidence of the inward change the sign that we would see that there's been life change all right and then the teach that's the story as we teach over and over again we tell the story over and over again if you look through Paul's letters in the New Testament some of the letters he tells the same things over and over again we were in Galatians today in our in our Sunday school class but we were talking about some of the same things in Galatians chapter 5 that are in Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 7 because it's the same stuff that Paul is telling Paul is telling the story over and over again go look in the book of Acts in the book of Acts he tells about his Damascus Road experience one you have the experience and then he tells about the Damascus Road experience three times in the book of Acts why is he telling that that's his story He's telling it over and over again. That's our testimony. That's who we are. That's our story. That's how God has brought us through loss, divorce, moving from one place to the next, financial struggles. That's our story. And we take that and we teach that out to those who are around us. We, how do we teach them? We tell it. And we tell it over and over again. My kids look at me and say, Dad, heard that one before. I'm going to tell you how it is right here. You mean I've told you that story before? Yes, Dad, like a thousand times. A thousand times. Well, you know what? It's that impactful that you needed to learn it. So let me tell you a thousand and one times, right? There are certain things. There are stories that your mother and your father told you, and you remember them. Why? Because they told it to you over and over and over again. And if it was like my mom, the story's changed. And if I was the center of them, they got bigger and better to my kids. It was amazing. My kids would go talk to my mom, and they'd come back and go, Dad, I didn't know that you were a baseball star. And I'd go, I wasn't. Who you've been talking to? That's what Granny said. I'm like, she's awesome. <laughs> my story's got great. And then I'd show them the real picture, and they'd go, Well, that wasn't that great. What was the big deal about all that? I don't know. Ask your grandmother. The story stayed the same, and it was impactful to those who were around it. Why? Because it was the life that, that someone lived. This generation today, the millennials, the millennials don't trust institutions. They don't trust government. They don't trust the church. They see all of these things that over the course of the last 50 years in our life have broken down. They don't trust any of it. But you know what they do trust? They trust the story of someone else that tells it to them because they see the reality of that in someone else's life. So they listen for the story. They listen for it. They want to hear it. Do you want to know that they long for truth? They want something that they can place their trust in. But they haven't been able to find it in an institution. Religion is an institution. The church is an organism. It is a body. It is alive. It is living. It's in constant flux and change, but it should be something that is growing. 
So as a person, a young person comes in to meet the church, it should not be something that is dead. It should be something that is alive. How is it full of life? It's full of life in the interconnection between us, the fellowships that we have, the discipleship that's going on, the worship that we have, the inspiring worship that makes you want to go out and tell others about Christ. But it also should be seen in the mission and the work that we do. The sign-up sheet for the fall festival should not be an obstacle for us. We should not want for people to work at all. We should all be here ready to serve. Because the fall festival, even though we may have kids that are involved in it, is not for us. You take home all the candy you want. In fact, the people that have their trunks open would probably rather you take every single last bit of it. All right? So you go do that. But when you're here, you're looking for people that have never been here before. You're looking for people that live in this community to see how this place can impact their lives and how they can become a part of this body so that this organism grows, not numerically, but in mission, focus, and talent. As it grows in mission and focus and talent, then all the other stuff takes care of itself. I've told you this before. We planted two churches. I've told you this before that we never, ever pass an offering plate. Never. Until I got here, and from the time that I left Mars Hill where I'd served on staff, we never passed an offering plate. We didn't pass an offering plate. And I had the leader of the church planning division from the state of Georgia tell me that we were going to go broke. In all of those years, we never missed a bill. In all those years, we planted a $1. million built a $1.5 million, $1. million facility debt-free. And in that time, I never longed for anything that I needed as a pastor financially because it was always there to take care of us. And we never pass an offer. Why? Because people gave. People stepped out. People were inspired by what was going on. They gave to their passion. You know you give to your passion. Don't you? If you've experienced a loss in a group that is in that realm of what you're doing, you would you would write a check to that. Have you ever done that before? Around Christmas, March of Dimes or something like that, you've given to that? Do they stop next year? What happens next year with the March of Dimes? Last year, you gave $100 to the March of Dimes. Would you support us by that much this year? Or maybe more. So when you give to that passion, they don't leave you alone. They just, it keeps coming, doesn't it? They know that it's a passion of your life. And they want you to be a part of it. I graduated from Anderson College. Every year in the fall, Anderson has a homecoming. Come on home, Tim. Bring your checkbook. Please come to homecoming. And by the way, you can give this gift. And it'll be in your name, and you'll get to be in this little book that we send out every year of all the people that gave. That's where I went to school, man. It's my colors. It's my team, right? We give to our passion. We give to them. 
We want to be involved in them. Why? Because it's a part of who we are. Now, what if our story was as great about being a part of Mount Salem Baptist Church as it was about the four years that we spent at the University of Georgia? Or Tennessee? <laughs> or somewhere else? We remember those days. We long for them. They were impactful. Will you remember this Sunday? Will you remember this day? Will it be impactful in your life? Will it be a part of your story? Will it be a part of the identity of Christ in your life? Will it cause you to deepen your walk to be a greater servant? Will it cause you to read this passage and see it through a different lens? Not reading it going, how in the world is God going to use me? But reading it and going, how is God going to use me in the world? That's a totally different sentence. If we see it that way, God can take these words from a fat boy and use it for his glory. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the Lord. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the blessings of life. Thank you for how you love us and how you prepare us and how you move in us. Father, how you use us. Father, we are useless apart from you. You tell us through your word, there's nothing that we can do not connected to you. So, Father, we are connected to you. And because we're connected to you, all things are possible in our lives and through our lives through you and Lord we just pray that you will find us a vessel usable and willing to be poured out last week we had communion Father there was a time when we got together and we examined our life and we cleansed it of our sins we walked away from that that was binding us in the past and let it loose so that the spirit of God could live within us Father we are a new and a fresh it's a new time it's a new us for your glory. Help us to be in